I'm Dr. Thomas Maples, and welcome back to The Myth Within. In this week's blog series, we've looked at a series of quotes about courage, and I wanted to take a moment to speak today about the effects that courage has on our daily psychological well-being, as well as the formation of... Um, the personality that we begin to adopt as we interact with the community at large and find the elements of our true self as it interacts with um, the self that we decide to present to others. In the first series, we looked at a um, quote by Dale Carnegie, and it reads, Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. What happens oftentimes as we develop the capacity to um, go out and interact with the world, natural fears begins to arise. Um, this, in essence, is our ego, um, which is fearful of being hurt as it relates to being accepted by others. And so it will create a um, emotion of anxiety around the event. And so we'll begin to ask ourselves a series of questions such as what if, um, if not this, then that. This is really our psychology beginning to bargain with itself to look at the possible outcomes that can occur. Now, the psyche does this in order to keep us safe. However, in doing so, it also creates um, the possibility for an analysis paralysis to occur. Um, basically, it could create a tension within that tightens the body up and really makes us determine whether we want to leave the situation, i.e. the flight response, or if we want to engage it accordingly. However, in engaging it, if the fear becomes too overwhelming, it can cause the body to stiffen, tighten, and basically causing an analysis paralysis to occur. Now, what what Dale Carnegie is talking about in this is that when we have this paralysis, there's an inaction that is there, and it's bred from this doubt and fear. However, in order to overcome it, we have to act upon it. We have to take that first step, as Lao Tzu would say, and begin to engage this fear that's present in order to really direct it towards an element of our dream. And so, in taking that first step out, even though it may be a fearful event, you do ultimately create the movement needed to work with the fear, overcome it, and then begin step by step moving in a direction that will help elicit whatever action it is that you're looking to take place. Sometimes this fear may be um, something to the nature of looking for a new job or taking that first step into applying for a college or asking that um, girl or boy out that you want to um, that you may want to have a date with. What happens naturally is we begin to go within introspect. What do I perceive that person would want? 
or what do I perceive that employer or that university would want? Do I meet those cues? And this is where we could get somewhat um, sidetracked because really what we're trying to do is put ourselves in the eyes of another judging ourselves, almost as if we're looking into a mirror to judge back at ourselves. But as we all know, ultimately, we are our worst critics in that case. This creates the analysis paralysis. And what ultimately happens is much like what happens in a horror movie when a person freezes in the midst of the scene where the maniac's chasing them. That person ultimately succumbs to the paralysis that occurs. The, their lack of movement creates absolutely no energetic response to um, overcome the bad things that are going to happen. And ultimately, in the horror movie, the um, protagonist in that case may pass on. Or in the case of sports, um, as the great Wayne Gretzky once said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And so that action is what's needed to create movement. Now, the ones that run as it relates to the analysis paralysis, they stand a fighting chance. However, what we see in the um, metaphor of the horror movie oftentimes is a person runs but does not have a direction that they're running to. So they wander aimlessly, and that creates a sense of fatigue, tiredness, which ultimately allows them to succumb. So as we can see in the case of running, there's a need to direct that energy to a specific goal. The one that ultimately usually ends up in the um, horror movie that wins um, in all cases is the person that decides to fight. Usually there is a running element in it. There is a running in a direction, but there's also a pivotal moment where the flight response turns into anger and creates fight, which then pulls that courage out of the person to engage and to ultimately overcome that which is fearful to them. This is where um, Carnegie speaks that action breeds confidence and courage. When we act upon it, confidence begins to build. That first um, shot we get is a success, and we could build upon that initial success and continue the patterns of what we did to help build more successes, which ultimately is geared to create an attitude toward success. As he says, if you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. If you want to get the goal, do not sit on the armchair thinking about how you're going to get the goal. Go outside and take it. Get on the ice and take it. Maybe you'll miss. Maybe you'll miss 10 times. However, in those missings, you develop the practice needed to get that first success. And that's where we go out and we get busy. So what are some steps we could take to work around some of these primary emotional states? First, we need to learn how to identify what emotion we're feeling in the moment. Many of us complicate this. We, we may look at charts of 40, 50, 60 emotions, but a lot of times these are just amplifications of primary emotional states or they're combinations of emotional states. 
one of the most simplistic um, emotional definitions that I have run across really comes from um, Buddhist philosophy. And it there's an idea that there's about five emotions that are present. Um, and these emotions can heighten the various degrees. They could also combine to create other emotions. However, from these primary emotional states, all other emotions arise. The first one is fear. Fear comes online because we're literally taught that. We, we need to fear that which could harm us. And parents do a good job at this um, in yelling at their children to look both ways when they cross the street. Because ultimately, if a child doesn't learn this lesson, the consequence could be real, severe, and deadly. And so it really is our job to instill fear, a healthy sense of fear, into a child. However, However, what happens in adult life, especially around psychology, is a lot of times things that truly need to be feared aren't, or things that are not feared should not be feared are amplified because of one's um, because of one's inability to differentiate what is life-threatening versus not, and so there becomes a global sense of fear. Now, fear in and of itself creates um, creates movement. It, it allows you to run from a situation. Now, if we run from all situations, that, that could be bad. Um, we need to be able to function outside and in. And this is where we could begin to see how some fears could underlie some pathologies present. However, fear in and of itself has to occur because if we aren't afraid of a semi-truck coming at us at 60 miles per hour, we're not going to be alive long enough to feel the other emotions. The second emotion that comes online from fear is anger. Now, we've talked about fear and the flight or freeze response. Now, anger creates the fight response. Now, anger in itself, we teach, is a negative thing, but anger is not. Anger is simply a neutral emotion. Um, if you have a problem to solve, anger creates the means by which you could constructively solve its, um, its core. Anger could also be destructive, and that's where we that's where we begin to see sort of the negative aspects of it. If someone's angry and they begin to destruct or destruct property, this could have detrimental effects. However, if someone's angry and they go work out, they'll they'll find themselves maybe having a better workout in general, maybe able to lift more, or run harder. And that becomes a constructive use of the anger as a means both emotionally to channel it as well as um, physically within the body. Now, a lot of times anger leads into sadness and depression on the negative axis is sadness. It's true sadness, but sadness comes from this idea of anger turned inwards or guilt. When we have guilt, we think, oh, this is a negative emotion, but guilt is only there to be that self-defining mirror. It's meant to bring us into alignment with something we did to learn the lesson that is needed from it. And so within this, sadness actually becomes the 
prompting force that brings us to an ideal self or this ideal being of contentment. Now, with sadness, it's the last stage of any grieving process. You're going within to figure out what's there so you ultimately could push through and um, break out of it. And this is where happiness arises. What is making you happy? Now, everyone views happiness as a positive emotion, and it is mostly. However, our search for happiness usually is defined by something that's outwards oriented, i.e., this car will make me happy, this degree will make me happy. But when we define happiness on something external, something material, what ends up happening is those moments become fleeting. So the difficult part with happiness is finding it and fostering it from within. And that brings us to the last emotion, which really defines all the other emotions, and that's love. You cannot have love without fear. If you don't love something, you would never waste the energy on anger around it. And love comes with severe areas of sadness and loss associated with it. However, these three emotions wouldn't even be worth it if we didn't gain that euphoric feeling of happiness that loves bring with us. And so this is a simple definition of emotions that um, I've used throughout my practice. And one of the things is, is to be able to define what element of the emotion that you're in in the current moment to define it and to be non-judgmental about it. So if you're in fear, what can we do to adopt a little courage? If you're in anger, how could you bring it down or channel it in a manner that allows you to work it out into a positive versus a destructive outcome or a constructive versus a destructive outcome? If you're in sadness, what lessons are there that you're working on in this moment so you can move to that point of happiness or content feelings to bring forward some little bit of self-love or a little bit of love for another? That leads us into the second step that we need to do, which is really to identify the thoughts that arise with emotions. A lot of times our thinking will foretell an emotional state or amplify an emotional state. When we identify our thoughts that lead to emotions, we learn about inroads and to how these um, how these thoughts create emotional states that may be problematic. When we know that, we could literally begin to change our thinking in the moment by implementing thoughts that are its opposite. Shift the negative self-talk into positive self-talk. I can never get into that university. What stops me from getting into that university? I can never talk to that person. Is that fear telling you you can't talk to that person? Or is that something real? I can never get that job. Why can't you get that job? When we shift thoughts into their opposite, we begin to challenge the core of our thinking, which promotes some courage within. 
Now, as you begin to practice at this, there, it's going to be a learning curve. And so part of this is also to look at the environmental events that occur that triggered some of these thoughts, that triggered some of these feelings. When we know the environment, we can maybe change the environment or surround ourselves in an environment that's more uplifting. So we could identify the thoughts, we could identify the feelings, we could work with those urges to run away by, you know what, maybe I can say hello to this person. Maybe I can turn in that application. Maybe I can get into that university. It just may take a little bit more work on this end versus that. Finally, identify what you did. If you shied away from something, that's fine. What can you do differently next time to engage? If you ran away, what could you do next time to effectively solve the problem? If fear was present, can you bring it into some constructive anger to move forward towards your dreams? There are a few basic steps in learning to identify the particulars that govern your emotional response. Remember, there are no negative emotions. Emotion is simply energy in motion. E-motion, energy in motion. What can you do with that energy to bring a positive outcome to your life? What can you do a little differently to create a more effective result from your emotional state? Remember, confidence breeds courage, and practice makes perfect. And as Raymond Bradbury once said, jump and you'll find out how to unfold your wings as you fall. This is the mantra of every bird that has ever lived. When we learn to take action, we learn to nurture success. As Dale Carnegie said, an action breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. I want to thank you, my friends, for joining me here today, and I hope that you've had a wonderful experience listening to this um, podcast on courage. In our next segments, we're going to be exploring various psychological underpinnings that drive our personal development forward. And I look forward to hearing any comments, suggestions, or questions you may have about this podcast or any of the topics explored. As always, my friends, namaste, and may blessings find you on your journey as you advance confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thank you for joining.